Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Thanks to Elders past and present and to acknowledge that sovereignty over this land was never ceded. Each week on The Living Free Show, we showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drug, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery stories and highlight that shared experience saves lives. This week, I'm joined in the studio by Tammy, a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Welcome, Tammy. Thank you. Hello. Hi. Um, thanks for coming in today. Uh, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who are recovering from compulsive overeating. I didn't have Tammy's mic on there, so I'm going to welcome you again, Tammy. Oh, I'll say hello for the second time. <laughs> there yeah. you are. Hello again. <laughs> so Overeaters Anonymous welcomes everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. So Tammy's here to tell us all about it. Uh, (laughs) And just to start us off, Tammy, um, can you tell us where you grew up and a little bit about your childhood? Yes. um, I was actually a – my dad was in the army, so we were a military family. So I went to nine schools in 12 years. I've lived in every state in Australia and we um, have moved around a lot. Um, What was the the question? Tell me about your childhood. and tell us a little bit about your childhood and then I'll – Ask you more questions. Well, it's funny, you know, yeah, it's, I didn't know until I was an adult that perhaps um, childhood wasn't as great as it could have been, you know, so I just lived through it and we were just always poor and dad was always drunk and that's how we lived and I didn't know there was anything different about that. But um, I always remember loving moving and couldn't wait to go. And I still have a problem today with um, understanding other humans who won't take their kids out of school they don't like because every single time we went out of school and changed states, it got better and better and better and better. So I have, um, I have this real belief now that if you don't like where you live, you can move. <laughs> So as an adult, I've lived in like, I think I'm up to 37 different houses, Mm -hmm. but that comes from childhood, you know, Mm. and I also have the ability now to be able to speak to any human at any time because you learn how to do that as a military kid who moves. So so there's been a few really good things that come out of it, but I don't remember having a bad childhood. Yeah. 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 That's not my memory Mm. of it. Now I might look back and go, oh, if I compare myself to others, that's where I might jump in and say mm. mine could have been better. But mm. if I don't do that, I'm like, it is what it is. Mm. And, you know, mum loved us and dad did the best he could when he was, you know, drunk. And, um, oh, God, I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. So my childhood was yeah. fine. Yeah. Is your dad still drinking? Uh, no, actually. Mm. I just had to do an amends in 12-step programs. We go to amends. I hadn't spoken to him for 20 years and I had to do it. And I rang him and FaceTimed him and did it. And it was it was phenomenal. It was extraordinary, you know. Oh. So, And he's the same human that he always was. He's just just like me, selfish, self-centred, <laughs> narcissistic, <laughs> judgmental, self-righteous, um, scared of money, all the stuff. Like oh. I see him now as just being an addict, as an addict, as an addict, mate, and we've all got the same traits, you yeah, know. Yeah. So... Um, I don't think anything bad about him anymore, whereas I used Mm. to think, oh, I wish I had the dad who would buy us all a soft drink instead of like my two sisters and I, we would get one soft drink when we'd have to share it with mum. And the four of us would have to share, you know, I used to think, oh, that I know my friend's dad says they're all allowed to have a soft drink when they go out. But hey, mate, he was just scared of money. And now Mm -hmm. I know because as being an addict, I got scared of money too. So yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. sort of just normalised 
Yeah. Hey, tell us about the amends. But I'll just jump straight. Mm. Normally we don't go straight into these mm. things, but the audience might be interested to know what we mean by mm. making amends. I'm making amends. Is, um, so the 12 steps are the 12 steps that you do in order. <laughs> so you go in and you get a sponsor and you go step one and then you go step two and then you go step three. And I like it's funny, anyone who's in a program will understand that. People want to jump all around and do it all differently, but... We're not allowed to do things differently. If in the world according to Tammy, I would have jumped. You know, if it was up to me, I would never have done amends at all. <laughs> See, oh, yes. so there you go. And I remember the whole time that um, leading up, you know, in the year before to make to do step eight and nine. I remember thinking all the time, I'm just going to lie to my sponsor. I'm just going to be dishonest. I'm just going to pretend I don't. You know, got no one to make amends to because I ain't doing it. <laughs> And then by the time we got there, of course, you've done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, you know, eight, and you can't wait to make amends. I absolutely could not wait, you know, because I was like, I have done things wrong. I am going to say sorry and I'm going to ask you what I can do for you to make it right. Amends is mending. So it's not just saying, um, I'm sorry, I was an, you know, shit person. <laughs> it's um, I'm sorry that I was so judgmental, self-righteous. I'm going to try hard every day not to do that anymore. Is there anything I can do to make that up to you, you know? Mm. So um, amends becomes my life sponsor and I laugh because you, be, you can become addicted to amends because it feels so good, you know. I remember having to do one with um, a housemate I had in St Kilda once and I left the house and I stole my, her fa- my, my <laughs> favourite bowl of hers to have cereal out of because I was like, well, that's my favourite bowl. You're really rich. You've got enough bowls. And I took it because addicts do shitty things like that along the way, you know. So then 20 years later, Mm -hmm. I had to call her and say, oh, by the way, remember when we lived together, I stole your cereal bowl. And I've still got it, actually. It's still one of my favourite bowls. And I'm really sorry. Can I do anything to make that up to you? And I think we worked it out that I was going to donate something or you know, I've said amends to, I used to be a nanny and I used to steal food, you know, because apparently if you don't buy the food yourself and you don't pay for it, that's stealing. So that's how it works. I used to steal all the lollies and and I rang them and said, how can I make this up to you? And then we agreed I now do a, like a donation every week to the, you know, Love in Action trolley and give okay. back all the lollies that I stole. And, you know, okay. men's, men's turns out to be really fun. So Wow, I haven't heard it described in so fun terms. Yeah. Like, well, in fact, it, I haven't heard that question. How can I make it up to you? I know about yeah. making amends, but that's a great question the, to um, ask someone. The mending part of yes. amends is a really important part because sure. you're not just saying, sorry, and I'm, you, you're saying, sorry, and I'm going to be a better human to you be, yep. and try not hard not to do that again. Like, how can I, it's like the serenity prayer. I always say, um, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And then sometimes I change it too, and the courage to change the things I should. Like, there's things we can do as humans to, there's things I can do to be a better human in the world. And amends is a part of that. Um, I used to be a primary school teacher and there was one kid that I just absolutely hated, which is, I can say that now as a recovered person, should an adult hate a child? Absolutely not. <laughs> but I thought this child was put on earth to torture me. So I now, like, I know, don't like, I, I now go and uh, every single, a couple of times a week, I pick up rubbish at the local primary school to make amends for oh, wow. a human I will never, you know, it's, yeah. it's like that. Amends okay. is quite interesting. Right. Yeah. Now what, I, I see how that can, um, that's really supports your recovery because it mends your relationships, which then supports you. How, how else does it help you in yourself 
as a recovering person? Do you know, as a recovering person, uh, the, there's a line in the big book that says um, selfishness, self-centeredness, we think is at the root of it all. So I am inherently an incredibly selfish human. Like every single waking thought I have is about myself without question. So if I do anything at all that's not related to me, anything, if I walk down the street and pick up a piece of rubbish as I go past and put it in the bin, I'm not thinking about myself and that is service. Uh If I put a trolley all the way back and then, you know, um, that is service. So anytime an addict can think about anything other than themselves, A, we're not thinking about food. B, I'm not talking about, I'm not thinking about poor me, poor me, why is my life so shit and how come I don't have a husband and children and all that, you know. You can't think of, it's like doing two things at once. (laughs) If I am of service to another human, um, then I cannot be selfish. It's it's. Like it takes that. up your bandwidth. Width and, yeah. and I've also got this um, saying that I learned from another OA member that says esteemable acts cause a, a self-esteem, wow. create self-esteem. Esteemable acts create self-esteem. So the more I do for another human, um, I'm not thinking about myself. Yep. The, the funny part of that is being an addict um, – it can't be what I think another human means. So I'm not allowed to go to my sister who's having a meltdown and be like, what I'm going to do for you is cook this dinner and give it to you and you have to all eat it. What I have to do is say, you're clearly having a meltdown. What can I do to help you? And addicts don't do that. We go, I know how you should fix your problem and I'm going to tell you, you're welcome. (laughs) Whereas really now I've learned that if a human being standing in front of me and asking me for something, then I say yes, and that's service. My nephew, 14 years old, um, stood in front of me the other day and said, can we please watch Scream 6? I don't want to watch a horror movie. I'd already that <laughs> afternoon decided I was going to watch, watch Netflix. And when another human being stands in front of you and says, Aunty Tammy, can, we, can I come over and can we watch Scream 6? To be of service to that human, I say, yes, sweetheart, I would love to, you know. And is it an amazing movie? Yeah, it is. So it opened, you know. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned during step eight and nine of amends how you wanted to do that your own way. Um, Did you always kind of have that selfish streak about you or when did you realise that that was a part of your personality? May you only know when you do the 12 steps, absolutely, because I've even heard people coming in recently and being like, I don't like these flaws and defects and we're all perfect and we're all – but they – all humans are flawed, all humans are selfish, uh, and selfish isn't a bad word. It just simply means the first living waking thought is about ourself. Mm. My niece fell off her bike and um, cried and I was with her and immediately my first thought was, oh, Jesus, now I, like, <laughs> I've got to look after this crying niece and she's bleeding all over the footpath and this sucks. <laughs> and then I went, oh, sweetheart. She's in pain. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and I hugged her back. It's just an, you can't help it it's a first inherent thought about you and it never changed it still doesn't change it's just that now that I have a program to go okay I just thought about myself now let me do what I've been taught and the actions I take to not make this about myself you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. like if a woman from work um she would come in and she said I remember specifically she said oh I've got three little kids under four none of them slept last night Uh, I'm a complete disaster and she looked a mess you know Mm -hmm. And then, so I completely ignored all that and said something I thought was funny and she didn't laugh. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, (laughs) rude, don't you know how funny I am and how great this is? Like, and, you know, so not for one second did I think, here's a human standing in front of me Mm. who's got three kids under four who didn't sleep last night. She's a mess. 
I was like, well, why aren't you laughing at my joke? Selfish, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but I had no idea I was selfish until I did the 12 steps. Yeah, for right. sure. Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, that's so interesting. Um, can you take us now to the, we'll just skip over all your teenage years and stuff, if, mm. if that's all right. And just take us to when you started thinking food's a problem or when you now can look back and, and see that food was a an issue? I'm very lucky because I've always, food's always been an issue. So by the time I got to OA, I crawled in in my hands and knees as a size 24 and a broken human, you know. So I was, um, but the interesting thing is I was 44 when I turned up at the in the doors. I thought truly with all my heart, I was the only human on earth who had problems with food. Like that's extraordinary to me now. There's, we have this saying that says that everyone thinks they're terminally unique addicts and that no one else thinks the same. But because I didn't have anorexia or bulimia, I have really like binge eating disorder, if you want to, you know. Um, but I have been on a diet I, or thinking about food for as long as I can remember. I even remember being 10 and being at my own birthday party. And I remember mum um, handing around a thing of cabana and cheese and I, I was like the third person to get it. And I remember taking out two handfuls, took out every single bit of cabana and then just handed the next one. Remember cabana and cheese? I'm old. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. This oh, is the, that was a thing. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> so and I remember taking it out and then mum taking me in the kitchen going, no, what you do is you just have one or two pieces and then you hand it on and being so insanely confused by what she was trying to say. I was like, don't you just eat everything at all times at all? I don't understand what you're talking about. Like I've always been insanely confused about about food, you know? Ah, yeah. yeah. So and so to look back, I can see now what that was. Like I have a, the brain of a compulsive overeater and it's just like my synapses don't really connect properly when it comes to food, you know? So mm. as much as I've spent every waking moment of my life for as long as I can remember thinking about food, I've also – also been thinking about diets so I would have been addicted to diets as much as I was ever addicted to food you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's nothing I haven't done or tried or seen or where all- and when you said you you didn't understand or you thought you were the only one with these kinds of issues was that a matter of not communicating or researching um you know um your symptoms when it came to overeating and binge eating how, what a clever question because I didn't even know it was a thing like and I'd heard the words binge eating disorder by all means Never thought for one second it was me. I just thought there was something wrong with me. Why can't I be normal? Because all those books and all those diets, normal eaters can go on a diet and be completely fine with that, you know. So I thought I was a normal eater who just couldn't do diets properly, you know. Um, Normal eaters also eat in moderation or look at what they eat and think Mm. about it. But So I just thought I was one of those people. But your self-esteem so completely insanely low when you're an addict in general that you just think you're doing something wrong like there's got to be something that's going to work for me eventually how come I can't be normal like the next person but it was not a thought in my brain that anyone else thought the same way as me not Mm -hmm. and it was 44 like it's pretty extraordinary to me now you Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. it just didn't even know it was a thing yeah absolutely okay we're going to go to a break thank you very much for that Tammy so far. Um, we're just going to go to a break and we're going to have a song called The Honey Bee by Vicar and Linda. You come like a bee to the honey, the honey. 
3CR on the 15th of June, we're hosting our annual Radiothon fundraiser, and we need your help. You can make a difference by donating. Your support keeps 3CR broadcasting unique conversations, great music, and diverse voices. If you're a fan of Living Free, help us reach our show's target of $2,000. Call 3CR anytime and keep the Living Free show alive. Support, support Living Free. Stay, stay tuned to 3CR, 3CR and stay radical. Left after breakfast, 38 years of information, insights, analysis and opinion. Just plain old common sense, really. 8.30am on Fridays. 
You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. This is a Living Free Show on 3CR 855 kilohertz on your AM radio dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you would like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. I'm talking today with Tammy, a member of Overeaters Anonymous, but before we return to Tammy, I'd just like to bring to your attention a community forum on gambling. Um, And as you know, gambling uh, is one of the uh, compulsive behaviours that we discuss on this show. So uh, this is a community forum on gambling. Um, It's called Gambling at What Cost? Thursday, June the 8th, 2023, 7pm till 9pm. It's at MacKillop College, Werribee, which is in Russell Street, Werribee, and it's June the 8th, 2023. And they say, please come join this free conversation on the real life harm of gambling featuring key speakers. Um, So it's got the keyest speaker of them all for gambling, Tim Costello, Chief Advocate Alliance for Gambling Reform, um, Bree Hughes, who's been on the show, lived experience of gambling harm, uh, Kate Seledja, Advocate and Voices for Gambling Reform Manager, uh, Bernadette Thomas, Councillor of Maribyrnong City Council. And the MC is Anna Bardsley, and there will be Q&A from the audience. So that's MacKillop College, Werribee, June the 8th, 2023, Gambling at What Cost? Community Forum. So, but back to... Tammy, um, and now we're talking about eating, not gambling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Tammy, um, I'm just going to read out three things that are common in people with um, uh, compulsive eating. Um, obsession with body weight, size and shape, eating binges or grazing, and preoccupation with diets. Mm. Uh, would you like to talk about any of those? Oh, I mate, I can talk about all of them. <laughs> please so, do. Yeah, read the first one again for oh. me, <laughs> Anne, please. Yeah. Uh, the first one, obsession with body weight, size and shape. So before I came into OA, I was convinced that if I was just thin, then everything would be okay and then I would be happy. Um, And you learn as you go on and go through the 12 steps that that's just completely made up. So the the thinnest people in the world, look at... Look at our mate Giselle, the most beautiful supermodel of the world. She's divorcing Tom Ford. Look at our sweet, sweet Jennifer Aniston, got one of the best bodies on planet Earth, and she, you know, is unhappy at times, you know, let's yep. say that. Yep, yep. So it's just simply not true. And once you, you, you become very realistic after you've done the 12 steps and you're like, oh, well, this is the body I got. This is the one I got given. Here it is. And it doesn't make any difference to my actual happiness. But I was so sure it did. So I'm not allowed to get on scales anymore. I don't know how much I weigh I um, never will ever get on them again you know so unless I relapse I imagine um which is always a thing you know eh? you can you're just one bite away from a relapse alcoholics you know one drink away so um yeah so I'm so thankful now that I don't think about my body anymore like that at all now it's truly like which is pretty extraordinary yeah Mm -hmm. because it's just like you know this is the one God gave me. I know, you know, don't hate bringing up the God thing to people yeah. who don't understand the God concept of yeah. 12 steps, but it yeah. may, you get to make them up yourself, just so you know. <laughs> so the one that you hate right now that you can't stand that I just use the word God, it's not that one. 
<laughs> so yeah, this is the only human body I've got. Um, so and I, it's just a pleasure for me now. I can get up and down off the ground. I can sit on the ground with little kids. I can get under the desk and unplug something. I couldn't do that before. My feet don't hurt. My back doesn't hurt. My you know I sleep really well. Like all of that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, is it a bit wobbly? Sure. Is most humans a bit wobbly? Jesus, absolutely, mate. You know, so who cares? So it's a pleasure to not care anymore, truly, Mm. you know. So what was the second one? Oh, the second one is um, eating binges or grazing. Uh, So I can only talk about my own experience with that. So I definitely was a binge eater. So And that just means we just eat like for shits and giggles, we just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat for no apparent reason but to eat, you know, so, and you cannot stop. That's why it's called compulsive overeating. So there's nothing you can do to put it down. So um, there's no human thing that can stop it, you know. So I binge, I was very lucky because I binge ate every single day for like two years prior to coming into program. And that gift of desperation is what made me recover quite quickly, you know, so because I was so messed up with it. So um, so the binge eating and what was the next one? Um, preoccupation with diets. Yeah, so I was addicted to food as much as I was addicted to diets. So when you get into a room with compulsive overeaters, there's nothing we don't know about food. Mm. I can tell you every single you know, calorie, and I can tell you every single Weight Watchers point. I can tell you every single diet, and I yeah. can, there's nothing I don't know, mate. I just cannot connect it to my own self and what I put in my body. So, yeah, um, yeah, we're most of us are addicted to diets. Mm. Yeah. And um, how did uh, your compulsive eating uh, affect those around you? So, I guess with other compulsions, um, there's a lot of talk about how it affects family members and friends. And mm. um, and before we were talking about, um, you know, selfish traits and things like that. How did uh, how did it affect those around you? Do you know because uh, the people that are the closest to me are my two sisters, and my mum. So we'll talk about them. The first thing, my mum now, I'm always like, oh, sorry, I can't do that. I've got to go to a meeting. She's like, okay, no problem. <laughs> like my family will do anything to let me be do program work because I am a, just a million times better of a human being. So to be around me was so painful because I just thought I knew everything and had to tell everyone what they should do all the time. Yeah. But I remember telling my sister, um, I sat down and cried and cried. I'd been in the OA for two years and I said, I've got something to tell you. I've got problems with food. And she laughed like it's really funny now. She said, mate, blind Freddie can see you've got problems with food. What are you talking about? I've known you my whole life. Duh. It's no like, secret. I thought it was a secret. I didn't oh. think anyone knew, which is crazy. But but what I used to do to them is the worst part. We're 47, 48, 49, and I have only stopped this four years ago since coming in program. I used to tell them what they should eat and what they should do mm. all the time. A lot of compulsive overeaters do that. I can't believe you're feeding your kids full-fat milk. Like, what an a-hole. Like, I'm embarrassed <laughs> as anything now about how I used to be, you know. But um, the way they had to suffer through. And then I would do hideous things like, well, I'm on a diet, so there can't be any – my ex-husband that poor man I would be like I'm on a diet so we can't be any sugar in the house so I'd take all the sugar out of the house and then I would be sneakily eating sugar when he didn't know and then I used to make him have a tin of his stuff and hide it in the car and he'd have to go outside and eat it from the car because I couldn't have it inside and you just make everyone else's life a living hell quite frankly and where do you think that um kind of stems from you said a lot a lot of other overeaters do that kind of thing as well yeah it's just we have an obsession with food and we but we're also obsessed with thinking we know what other people should should eat. Mm. That's a 
just a shockingly embarrassing one now at this stage because I would talk about diets at all times of the day and I with all friends with anyone who would listen and I would be either a size 24 or a size 8 or a size 24 or a size 8 that's what we you know and just stereotypically a lot of us do that you know so mm-hmm. lots of different types of compulsive overeaters but we just make everyone else's life harder mm. you know Absolutely. And then do shit like I'd never ever ate a single piece of birthday cake ever at any event as long as I can remember. But then when it was all because I was like, nope, I can't eat sugar, you know. Um, But then afterwards, I would like everyone would go home and I'd eat all the leftover, you know, Mm. just we just, you know, made everyone's life harder in so many ways. So they're so grateful now. Yeah. And almost, um, I guess, unnecessarily so, because, you know, you'd still be doing the eating, just not in their presence. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it's just, it's, you you know, they say, especially with overeating, it's different from alcoholism and drugs because they're the sexy ones, we call them, you know, (laughs) because overeating's just, uh, uh, you know, it's a real slow suicide and you also, it it kills your personality and your soul. Like it just wasn't a pleasant human to be around, you know. Before I joined OA, I never ever remember a time where I laughed or smiled like I was the most serious human you had ever met you know and now I'm incredibly lighthearted and laugh all the time so yeah. you you know people are like oh that won't kill you you know you never ate cake and woke up three days later in you know Sydney and didn't know how you got there you know <laughs> but it's like it you, you kills you along the way and it just it made me mean I was like a mean human yeah. you know so yeah, yeah. And is that meanness, is that coming from that sense of self-hatred because you can't stop yourself? Yeah, do you know what? It's actually the the more the flaws of self-righteousness and Uh, judgmentalness. Like it truly thought I knew better than everyone else, you know. Yeah, yeah, at all times. What a massive, you know. And also then you you mix that with self-pity and self-esteem and you've just got a cauldron Mm. of hopelessness. Like it's, it's just messy and you're up and down like I don't know if you're in a good mood or in a bad mood yeah, or yeah. don't know if you're gonna you know attack someone over this or I also went through that really fat happy stage of being the nicest person in the room but I was like a smiling assassin I don't mean it like mm. I was pretending to be nice oh, I love your earrings it oh, wasn't okay. true yeah we always say like alcoholics are more likely like to punch you in the face whereas overeaters will come in smiling assassinate you and be like hi you today oh, and then yeah. when you're gone behind your back we'll be like oh jesus you see what jenny was wearing oh, mm. yeah, yeah it's yeah. more like a meanness like that that's um we mm. pretend but yeah did it come from low self-esteem mm. and hatred i'm sure it all came <laughs> from all of that absolutely yes and i guess you're holding other people to your standard of what you think they should be eating and when they can't meet that which is a invented thing that you've made for yourself then you know you kind of harbor that kind of anger or resentment do you know, that's brilliant. I think that's such a big part of the premise of the whole program is simply that my problem is that I want you to be different yeah. in all things. So our expectations are that humans should behave like this. Now, we don't behave like that, mm. like our expectations, but I, I'm like you to turn up and I want you to eat this and I want you to say this and I want you to hug me this time and then I want and we just make up these big elaborate stories and have all these expectations. So it's, it's a, there's this brilliant part of the big book like around the page 60s. I'm always misquoting it, you know, but <laughs> it says if, you know, if I could just get the whole world to do what I wanted, then we'd be fine. 
and every addict thinks like that. It's why it's written there over three pages, you know. The problem is not me. It is all of you. So let me tell you how you should fix yourself, you know. But I'm an extroverted addict, so I would tell you an introverted one just you know, hides at home watching Netflix, never having human contact at all, you know? So, yeah. And um, excessive exercise or how did um, your uh, obsessions with food relate to all the other things um, revolving around food? So we like people of extremes. So either you do everything really well and do it hard or you do nothing at all. Mm. So, for example, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to bike ride. So I'm going to bike ride every single day for one hour and that's how I'm going to do it or I'm not going to bike ride at all. And now I just do it like I get a thought that says, why don't you go for a ride? And I go, okay. And then that turns out to be a couple of times a week. Like mm. it's all less dramatic now and not so the extremes are gone, you know. So I think that's the word, dramatic, drama, the seriousness that you place on things. Oh, mate, catastrophizing, catastrophizing everything, yeah. you know. Like someone say hello and you'd be like, what do you mean hello? <laughs> like <laughs> everything's – and you think you're literally in pain, dying on the floor. Like this is the word. My boss just called me into a meeting. I wonder what that could be. Ah, oh, this yeah. is the end. Yeah. Catastrophize, catastrophize. And the, uh, the program makes you just really realistic about life. Oh, chances are pretty high, mate, that your boss didn't spend all his weekend wondering about how he could upset Tammy today <laughs> in this meeting. I wonder what it's going to be about. And then it's about nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, we just live like those normal people I see who seem to just mm-hmm. be having a good time enjoying life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned the word relapse and it's so obvious you know, if you're an alcoholic, what a relapse looks like mm. it means you, t- you took some alcohol, whereas you shouldn't be having any, yes. or you've already decided not to have any, so no shoulds. Um, what does it look like for a food addict? It's, you know, we can only talk about ourselves because it's so food is so different. Because so I can only talk about my experience. So first of all, food addicts will often say, um, "Oh, we still have to eat, but an alcoholic doesn't have to drink." You know, um, and I'm like, alcoholics still drink, mate. They drink water and they drink tea and they drink coffee and they drink coke they just can't drink alcohol i still eat i just can't eat trigger foods like it's as simple as that so we identify the foods that that if we put them in our system we cannot eat them in a in a moderate way Mm -hmm. so for example if i can't eat one cup of pasta if that's the serving size I now can't eat pasta, you know. If I can't eat one piece of steak at a normal size, then I know that that's things I can't have. So we get what we call a red light food list or, mm. you know, trigger foods. or And what that means is if we put those foods in our bodies, it triggers this mental obsession where we just yeah. don't have a hope in hell of fighting it. So you can be abstinent from your red light foods every day for the whole rest of your life. You just simply don't eat your red light foods. So yep. it's I haven't had sugar in years. You know, I haven't had white flour in years and at one day at a time. But I just go for the t- next 24 hours ahead. I'm not going to have that, you know. Mm. So people will be like, I can't, I, have, I can't have cake for the, not for the rest of my life. And I'm like, yeah, just we just don't have cake today. Mm-hmm. Let's just wake up and get through today and mm. go to bed tonight without having it. But mm. it's such a – so many uh, – every compulsive overeaters you speak to will tell you a different story about it. Yeah. But the way that worked for me is got in, got a sponsor, got the sponsor who then said – because I'm a grown-ass woman who has to send my food to another grown-ass woman every single day of my life. So every day of my life, I know what I'm going to eat that day and I send it through to another person. Sponsor. So, yeah. yeah. And if that doesn't tell you that I have problems with food, nothing yeah. else will, you know. But 
doing that completely relieved me of food obsession. So, yeah. you know, as mm-hmm. well as doing the steps, but you've got to put the food down first. Like an alcoholic, you can't do the steps drunk and you can't do the steps when you're food drunk. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And does uh, someone who obsesses over food generally, how easy or difficult was it to shortlist trigger foods? You know, do any new ones come up? Or? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So we start with like green light foods, things you can have in the right dosage, you know. Um, and then you have orange light foods, things that you're not really sure, like, you know. Um, so I had like peanuts on the orange light list because I'm like, I think I can. But sometimes I can. And then eventually most orange light things head over to red light, you know. Mm. So you read uh, what I do with my sponsees is we red light anything that we don't know if it's going to cause us to binge or not. We do the 12 steps, which changes the way you are in the world, the 12 steps. Then we can reintroduce food and watch what happens to your brain because if, you, um, if you've got a food that you can't handle, you go insane. So it's really black and white obvious. You start doing mental things, you know, yeah. like, oh, I'm too fat or I should be thinner by now or you start thinking again like the way you used to think. So then we know to stop it. Like I just had this experience with I was I really truly wanted to bring granola and yogurt back, mm-hmm. and I hadn't had it for four years. So I said to my sponsor, "Let's give it a go." Like I'm ready. I'm prayed about it. That's what we say in OA. You're not allowed to do anything until you talk to someone higher than you. And within two days, all I wanted to do was have granola for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like that's I was like, "Oh, I've got a new food plan to my sponsor. This is what we're going to have now." And she's like, "Yeah, see how that's insane. <laughs> see how that works. We're not doing granola anymore." So my birds got granola instead. My friend, the birds at the back, you know. But yeah, once you're clean and sober, you can bring certain food things back. Getting another human to watch you and watch your thoughts and to know if you can bring it all. Like I didn't eat couscous for four years, but then I brought that back in, and now I can. Mm. So. Yeah, but you can only do it from a, for me, from a state of being clean and being abstinent to be able to witness what's going on, you know, so. All righty, we're going to take another break and it's Vicar and Linda again and they've got uh, this really, a song with a very cool title, Don't Wanna Be a Nutcase. <laughs> Make of it what you will. Same. <laughs> Same with me too. <laughs>
Have you experienced or seen racism against blackfellas? Report racism against First Nations people with Call It Out, an online register to expose racism. Stand up, be heard, call it out. Go to callitout.com.au. A 3CR supporter. 3CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser launches in June. We need your financial support to be independent, community-controlled and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon keeps the station radical and enables us to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax deductible. 3CR Radiothon, show your support during June 2023. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And we're talking with Tammy about compulsive eating. Uh, Tammy, uh, I really liked what you just said before about don't do anything till you've spoken to someone higher. <laughs> um, so the, the role of the sponsors there, I suppose. Uh, what's yes. your understanding of the God thing? We might as well go there. Yeah, absolutely. We have to go there because it's the entire premise of the entire program. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there is nothing without it. So um, it's it simply says, um, you know, uh, God, a uh, higher power or something. So I don't even remember uh, because it's it was it, it, that part was very simple for me because I remember someone just saying. Mate, do you think there's anything on planet Earth better or bigger than you or do you think there's all there is? And I remember thinking, oh, Jesus, if their only hope the human race has is Tammy's brain, we are all in trouble. Like, God, there has to be something bigger than me because the the, the way I live and the way I think is very low level, you know. So, um, But then there's all – there's just – so I just believe there's something greater than me, you know. It's just very simple, you know. So and that can be people word it all differently. There's all different terms for in the big book. You can have a higher power or um, sunlight of the spirit. That's a really sweet one, you know. So um, universe, you can call it life. You can call it absolutely anything you want. But all I'm saying is, you know, all, just look at the sun. That's a big one for me. And the stars, you know, and the planets, you know, they're, they're all in perfect alignment. And, you know, that's that meme and uh, that thing on TikTok that says, you know, gravity, if it just went one centimetre the other way or we went three seconds lower or, you know, I'm ter- doing a terrible balls up of this story. But um, <laughs> if it everything's perfectly aligned and it's all and, you know, something made all these millions of different flowers and, you know, so I don't believe in it. Uh, I, I don't like saying this, but I don't believe in a religious God, you know, but that's not to say I don't honour every single human who does, you know. You can do whatever you want, mate, as long as for me it was just like, is there anything better than you? Sometimes I just call it life is bigger than me, you know. Um Oh, that's my that's my God thing, you know. So yeah, but I call it God because I'm lazy because I can't say higher power work because it's just too many yeah. syllables. <laughs> God is more like an, an experience of life, like being spiritual now because the twelfth step says having had a spiritual awakening as the result of doing the program. It's just a, a different way to experience life, you know. So now I just go, oh, so that happened. 
wasn't, I didn't know that was going to, oh, look at all those birds that just flew overhead. Well, that's interesting. The experience of my day and my moments are different. And that's what spirituality and God is, you know? Mm. So yeah, to me. And uh, what were the implications of believing in something higher in terms of putting Tammy first and Tammy's selfishness and your relationships with other people? The, uh, when you go higher, <laughs> you, when I went higher, I was like, oh, so God made the flowers and the sun and the water and Tammy and Mitch and Anne. And so there's some sort of designed plan there for everything. But he also made me human and I didn't realise that before program. So I am flawed as shit, mate, but so are so many humans, you know. Mm. So I am selfish and I am self-centred and I am self-righteous and I am self-judgmental and I've got all and I'm controlling, mate, I've got them all, you know. Um, but all humans have flaws, you know. So um, if you're not an addict, it's, sometimes it's just not as extreme. <laughs> like I was talking to Anne before and I was like, you know, a normal person can say, oh, mate, Jim's a bit of a dick, you know, but I, I, an addict goes, oh, Jim's a bit, uh, oh, did you see Jim? Oh, oh, well, I don't think what Jim just did is right and I don't think he should, you know, and then we go home, we think about it and then we wake yeah. up and we sing. The next day we're like, right, am I, what am I going to do? Take Jim down. I'm going to tell Jim, my Jim. boss and, yeah, like, and you know, so – I now think, oh, well, I've been made this way and it's okay to be made this way. Now when you do a 12-step program, you're just more aware of it and you're quicker to jump on it. So when I'm being judgmental of someone, I'm just like, oh, hang on, I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what you've been through. I'm sorry, mate, that you feel the way that you do right now. I hope you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Whereas before you're just like, oh, what is that person trying to ruin my day for, Mm -hmm. you know? So... Um, yeah, I have no problem anymore with having the flaws, you know, because they some of them go completely and the other ones you just recognise a lot quicker and you're just like, oh, okay, hang on, you know, lay low on this one for a minute. Tammy, do not tell that person what to do. Do not tell that mm. person what I was saying that I go before any family event because um, I like to tell everyone what to do. That's one of my favourites. So I t- um, FM, before a family event I've got this saying that I have to say, how do I know if it's any of my business? If it doesn't affect my breathing, it's none of my business. <laughs> do not tell your sister how you think she should parent her nephew because like it's, that. yeah, and so I have to do little tricks of the trade like that, you uh-huh. know. So, yeah. But, yeah, I used to hate the fact that I had all those flaws and I was like, oh, man, when I realised that uh, nearly 8 billion of us have them just yeah. in different forms and different ways, I was like, oh, so I'm not terminally unique. I'm just one of many and I'm doing the best I can make to make sure, well, sure he can keep the flaws or the bay. Yeah. So, um, you know, some people might think it's enough just to stop the trigger foods. Mm. Uh, Why does it matter so much in the 12-step programs that we deal with the flaws? And and are they triggers too? Yeah, you know, we have this term in Alcoholics Anonymous where you call it a dry drunk. So it's a term. We all use it. So I can definitely just – and Russell Brand's a really famous recovered person and he's got – he, it took him five days, five years and two days to do step four, which is where you look at your flaws and your resentments, um, step four and five. And it's like and it took him five years to not do it and two days to do it. So um, you can go along in program and be abstinent, which is where we say we don't compulsively overeat anymore or we don't pick up binge foods or trigger foods. You can be dr- um, sober in AA, you know, and, and never pick up another drink again and never do a 12-step, never do a 12-step in OA. 
and I have seen those humans and for some of them it is great and but I am what we term a dry drunk where I am still a living nightmare of a human. I'm just one who isn't eating, overeating over things, you know. So I have to do the 12 steps and live by them because in the world according to Tammy, it's it, I catastrophize everything and everything's really dramatic and I'm poor me, poor me and why me and you know, but doing the 12 steps and looking at resentments and flaws changed me, humanised me and made me realise that it's it's life on life's terms means sometimes you don't like people and sometimes they don't like you. Whereas before I was like, how can I make everyone in the whole world like me? Um, and that's just literally impossible, you know. Mm. So, um, yeah, for me it's a case of it, the 12 steps changed my personality in the mm. way that I view the world, mm-hmm. but I could easily be sober and not touch abstinent foods um, and be a not, and, but I just wouldn't be a nice person. So, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's why I have to do them. Oh. Um, all right. Are there situations, there's foods, foods that are better for you to avoid? Are there situations that are better for you to avoid? Absolutely. So we go, we have to be abstinent from food foods that cause us mental um, obsession and behaviours that cause us mental obsession. So, and we, like, we, I also, there's rules in the 12 steps that I live by. Like, I can't, I'm not allowed to gossip. I'm not allowed to get resentful. I'm not allowed to because it all ends really badly. It ends back in food. And for me to live in food is a really terrible way for me to live, you know. And it's not because I don't look good. It's because because it's because it's killed my soul and my personality. And I just thought, I still have a famous saying, very very famous, me and no one else, Anne and Mitch. Like, no one gives a shit that this is my saying. Four million people live in Melbourne and I only like four of them. That's how I walked through my day. Now I like more than four humans in my day. Like, it's crazy. Congratulations. You know? Thank you. You're one of them, Mitch. Yeah. And Anne's, yeah. that, that's two Come today. I'll let that's you know awesome. the other two I meet later who I like. Great. Um, Yes. I'm oh, sorry, Anne. What was the question? No, uh, the question was just what situations you would have to avoid to yeah. stop you cycling back down. So I have to avoid wrong... stuff like that. But I also have to avoid um, – so I can't watch cooking shows. Okay, um, yeah. I can't weigh myself. Um, I can't uh, – yeah, do like I don't watch the news at all ever. I can't look at the world bigger than me and start to worry, worry about, about it. it. I can only think about the thing that's in front of me in this very moment, you know. So um, otherwise I just walk around think of being weighed down by the, you know, because of the catastrophizing, like, oh, the world's a terrible place. It's not. In my life and my day, I just met Mitch and Anne, who are very excellent people. My friends, I just went to a very cool cafe next door and Anne bought me a coffee. Mm. Like little beautiful things happen all the time. But when I am watching the news, I can't see them. So mm. you know, Does that so. just uh, relate back to being in the present, I oh guess? Oh, my God, exactly. Yeah. So we always say God's not in the past or the future. It's only in the present. So, And you have to ask God for help all the time. Please help me with this person who's standing in front of me who I don't like. It's not you, Mitch. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, what can I do? And then you get a thought, oh, well, the big book says you have to be – you don't have to like all people, but you have to be kind and tolerant of them, you know. So I d- pull it straight back. So it's immediate stuff all the time, present, you know. Yep. Um, that's, yeah, it's just a better way to live because we don't have the weight of the world on our shoulders. We're not worried about anything then. And then in the moment you get, that's why I laugh all the time because then you find the funny stuff all the time. When you live in the present, you're just like, oh, my God, did you just see that? 
great or someone says, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I totally find that myself just like being stuck in my own thoughts, mm. future anxiety. And I definitely find that that's very common for people that watch the news because the news catastrophizes a lot of stuff. Mm. And like it provides a perspective of the world, which is quite cynical at times. And, you know, that can influence your own thoughts and behavior. And mate, and some people, God bless them, good luck to them, watch the news all day, every day. And if I could be that human, I would. I have no judgment of another single human whose favourite show is the news, mate, uh-huh. you know. And it's not that I'm ignorant about the world. I just know that I, the little community I have and the person I talk to in Coles and the person I smile in the street is all I can possibly do. So... I can't make it any bigger than that. But, yeah, but people can watch the news and not be affected by it, absolutely. So good luck to them, but I'm Mm -hmm. just not one of them, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, going forward, what does the um, short-term future look like for you? Uh, You know, it's funny because I've also been like, you know, addicts have – problems (laughs) with everything I also blamed the world on the fact that I wasn't in love and nobody loved me I was like that's gonna Mm. be an issue I'm not thin so that's an issue I haven't got a great job so that's an issue so I changed jobs I had nearly uh, it's a lot like 26 real jobs just kept going and going and going thinking um, a job was going to make me happy so I'm actually in a job now. It's the first time I've ever liked a job. Mm-hmm. And so my sponsor and I looked at, me, looked at it and we were like, hang on, let's look at all the other jobs. Had I been different, I would have liked all them too. Yeah. I don't have the world's greatest job right now. I am just a different person in that job. And, mate, it's just a job. And during my day, I just sometimes I have a laugh with the, the women in the tea room and the lunchroom and sometimes I get a, you know, client who I really like and sometimes I have a laugh and it's just just made everything much more normal. So mm. so now the life holds reality just being realistic, you know. So now I have a job that I don't hate. I live in a house that I don't hate. <laughs> I Still nobody loves me, but I'll let you know, Mitch and Anne, when you know. Oh, Anne loves me. She just told me. <laughs> <that> I <I'm laughs> be okay. You know? <laughs> Heard this awesome thing yesterday about just because you've been single forever and someone else had been in love for 48 years um, in a relationship and then they actually said, um, the other person said, yeah, I've loved my son for 17 years. That's a relationship I've had. I've loved my sister for 48 years. That's a relationship I've had. I'm like, oh, my God. I used to always just put it down as a male or female or, you know, whatever your preference is. God, that was very not 2023 of me. Mm-hmm. Cut that out, will you, Anne, that bit? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, so, yeah, I do ho- – I, I live in hope that um, I do get to experience all those things that I didn't get to experience when I was just being too cranky walking through the world, you know. But I like that I have – I wake up in the morning happy. Mm-hmm. I like that I go for little walks. I like that it's easy for me to do the washing. <laughs> it's all the tiny, tiny little simple things. And I like that I have a job that I don't hate. And mm-hmm. guess what? I don't have credit card debt anymore. And I, I just own my car for the very first time last weekend, just paid it off. I've owned nice. my car now. Like things just get better all the time in teeny tiny little ways. Nothing major and huge ever happened. But I just look at, yeah, it's just little things. Yeah, I think it relates back to being in the present and Mm. like what that gives you. And I feel like that's such a good place you're in. And yeah, I feel like it bodes really well. It sounds like you like to be present too, Mitch, by the sounds of this. I do. Yeah, it's something that I try and work on all the time because I'm always in my head. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. And people, you don't know this, but Mitch actually moved from the Gold Coast to Victorian and he was a Victorian but in the soul the whole time, mate. He's loving comedy yep. and he's loving coffees and he's loving cafes yep. and 
right? The, he's let the pink flamingos go of the of the gold. They're Coast gone. They're him. gone. And look at him on community radio volunteering. There's no more hip or cool, you know, Melbourneian than Mitch right now. Mate. I'm thriving. I'm thriving, and I appreciate that. <laughs> and you're staying present. How beautiful. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. So we're just about to wind up. Okay. We've got another. Um, probably another. Six minutes. I actually. feel very oh, lucky no, to have less just than that. Another one minute. Talked about myself for an hour. <laughs> what a right. gift, mate! This is like therapy, but I didn't have to pay. So <laughs> yeah, we'll pay you. Everyone's like, favourite yeah. subject is themselves. We'll hit you up you know. on the on the way out for a subscription. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we'll just have a for one more one last minute. Yes. Uh, if there is someone listening today who's finding it difficult to cope with their own relationship to food, what then, would your message be? Oh, it would just be like that. You are not alone that there's so many of us out there who have the, whose brains are wired the same way when it comes to food um, and you will be okay. There's a place, it's free, Overeaters Anonymous. You just go and see what happens. Um, and when, you, when you're there, you just witness all this recovery. These human beings speak and, you, and they tell their story before and they tell their story after and the stories are completely different, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, it's hey, you're not alone, mate. There's your brain's wired a bit differently. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's lovely. You're not alone. What a what a great message to all of us. Thanks, Tammy, for coming in today. Oh, what it's a pleasure, great. and absolutely, Mitch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Uh, if you're having difficulty with compulsive eating, you might like to contact Overeaters Anonymous. You can find them at oa.org.au. All meetings welcome newcomers, and the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. There are meetings listed on the website at the previous, what I just said, oa.org.au forward slash meetings. These may be face-to-face, online or hybrid meetings. You still got hybrid meetings? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Uh, coming up next, we have Balanoir, the Spirit of War, hosted by Uncle Taljum Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco on a journey of belonging and movement through sing oh, excuse me, sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. And to take us out, we've got a song called Life is Worth Living by Archie Roach. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.